a celebration to make it out the year. So bring. We're going to celebrate, come party with you. Hey, how many have had a good time this month? We've been partying, celebrating 15 years. Oh, my goodness. It's been amazing, awesome. And uh, today is the last day of the celebration. So tomorrow, next week, it's morning. No, we're not doing that. Um, but this is, it does end this series called Celebrate and Celebrating 15 Years. And uh, next week, we start a brand new series called Secret Ingredient. And it's a relationship series. We're gonna, have you ever seen a couple, whether they're married or dating, or actually just sometimes some like really good friends, and they seem to have that secret sauce in their relationships, just like, I want, even if it's like a buddy, it's like, man, I wish I had a buddy like that. You know, there's just some things with relationships that we want to talk about next month, the whole month of February, and uh, it's going to be fantastic, and then we have a special one-day marriage seminar in the month of February. I'll tell you all about that next week. Um, but uh, right now, one thing that we've been doing this whole month, you know if you've been here, we've been wanting to just bless back to the community. We love our community. We love the city that we're in. We love the county that we're in. And we want to be, we want to be, I want to be known as the generous church. How about you? I don't, I don't want to be known as the gossiping church. I don't want to be known as the hateful church, the mean church, the dirty church, the whatever. I don't want to be known as the white church. I don't want to be known as the black church. I want to be known as the generous church. And so if we just imploded one day, what would happen? I want the community to rise up and say, where did that church go? The ones that loved us, cared for us, took care of us, where are they? And so we've just been blessing different organizations and ministries because we know we can't do this alone. Can't do it alone. We're all on a team. So today, I want you to put your hands together and help me welcome to the stage just to explain her ministry and stuff. Sarita, come on up here. Sarita is with House of Grace. And uh, why don't you just take a second, tell us about House of Grace and what you guys, we love House of Grace. Anyway, go ahead. Thank you for having me here. My name is Sarita and I'm the executive director at the House of Grace. Um, and you might ask, what is the House of Grace? It is a 24-hour shelter for survivors or victims of domestic violence. It can be psychological, physical, emotional, even spiritual. Um, it is a safe haven for victims to come, and we want to empower them by the grace of God. We are a Christ-centered ministry um, to come to us when they need help um, and get help. We want to empower them to walk with God and to kind of find a way out of a seemingly hopeless situation. And we all know that we've all been there. We're all broken. We don't just serve broken people. I am broken mm -hmm. people. And it almost takes someone who's been through hardships, broken places, um, just at the bottom of the barrel to understand what some of these women are going through and men and children. And so I know I've been there. Um, we have 20, I'll tell you about some of the things we have, we offer at the shelter and they're all free of charge. We actually have a physical shelter. Uh, when you, if you call us and say I'm in crisis, we fill out a crisis sheet. Then we talk to you about the resources we have. We have free counseling, we have food, we have support groups, we have Bible study. Um, we have court advocates, we have legal assistance. There are so many things, and my goal, and the goal of my staff is to lean on God, to ask him daily. We pray over the ladies in the shelter daily, in the mornings. I'm like, we need to pray. Because to be honest, it's too big of a job for me. 
And I knew it when they offered it to me. And I said, I, I can't do this. And they said, why? I said, it's so big. And they said, you're the person. And I told God, I said, Lord, unless you go with me, unless you give me wisdom. And I asked for the wisdom of Job. I asked for the wisdom of Saul. I said, I can't do this alone. And so my staff, as they come along beside us, they're like-minded. And it reminds me of the church uh, when Pastor Craig was talking about being a safe place. We want to give the ladies a safe place. I remember one of the ladies that came in. She had been there about six, eight weeks. She said, I finally feel safe. And she had been there every night because they lived there. Um, and she said, I finally feel like I can sleep. And I thought, Lord, we are doing our job. Mm -hmm. And we want to walk with them and encourage them. Yeah. So I want to thank you for encouraging us, for supporting us, for praying for us. The biggest thing you can do for us is pray. Yeah. That's what we need, that prayer cover. And for wisdom for me and my staff. Because I don't have that wisdom without Christ. Thank y'all so much. And we, uh, we have been praying for you guys. We do pray for you guys. And we just want to go one step further. And so on behalf of South Point and all of us, we want to present you with a check for $5,000 for House of Grace. So love you guys. Love you for all you do. Amazing, amazing. Now, you might not know this about me, but I am a bona fide pastor. Thank you very much. Believe it or not, you, you really here, you're looking at me, you're like, mm, I don't think so. No, really, I'm a pastor. In fact, believe it or not, I actually, you could say, I talk so much. I talk a lot, don't I? I talk, I talk all the time. I get paid to talk. I don't get paid per word. If I got paid per word, that would be amazing. But I just get paid to talk. But I am a pastor. I talk to a lot of people. I've talked to thousands of people over the years. And I've learned this about people. People of all different walks of life want to experience God. Now, you might say, Pastor, that ain't true. You ain't taking into consideration them atheists, them agnostics. They, they don't want that. Au contraire, mon frère. See, I think even atheists and agnostics that I've talked to, they would say this. They would say, oh, I would love to experience God. I just don't believe there is a God. And experience is huge. And I am a professional at experiencing God. And you might say, oh, because you're a pastor? Nope. I'm a professional at experiencing God because I was raised Pentecostal. Mm, come on, can I get a good mm in the house? Oh, you can do better than that. You can end it with a ha, mm, ha. Okay, and, oh, there we go. <laughs> I was raised by the castle, and then I upgraded to charismatic. How many have ever heard of a charismatic church? And people would say, well, what's Pastor Craig, since you're the professional, what's the difference between Pentecostal and charismatic? Pentecostals, they're the people who are, they yell about everything, and they run the aisles. Charismatics... All of that. And uh, they, Pentecostals and Charismatics are very experiential driven. Experiencing God driven. And I'm not making fun of them. I was genuinely raised that way. And I'm very thankful for how I was raised. I, I really am. I think it's awesome and amazing. Um, because experiencing God is huge. It's even one of our values. And we've been going this month and looking at our values. And so fill in the blank there. I think it's a fill in the blank. We create a safe 
place for people to experience him. We create a safe place. And so with this, experience is the goal. Experience is the goal. Um, experience, when you experience something, it's like the tipping point, right? Like if you debate with somebody over stuff, you, have you ever debated with somebody and you get all into it and at some point hopefully you realize that they're as into it as you are so neither one of you are going to change the other person's mind? Has anybody... Oh, I'll just bring it down real. Have you ever debated somebody over to get vaccinated or not get vaccinated? Oh, now you're awake. Right? And no matter what side you're on, you step into that debate. You know what? I guarantee no one has ever heard your side and went, you know, you're right. I'm going to change my mind. Nobody. Nobody. We debate stuff all the time, and debate does not change anything. Like, I've heard silly debates, although meaningful, like, I've heard people debate, what's the best donut on the planet? We already know the answer to this. There's no debate. Oh, is it Dunkin' Donuts? No, 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 no. See, you can debate all day long about what's the best donut, but until you experience and taste and you see the hot now light on and you put one of these golden discs in your mouth, and you know, you know that that Krispy Kreme donut is straight up a halo off an angel's head. <laughs> Once you experience that, there's no debate. It's the greatest donut on the planet. And if you're sitting here right now and you think, no, okay, that's not it. It's Dunkin' Donuts. You are not saved. <laughs> but it, it, experience changes everything, doesn't it? When you experience something, it is totally different. That's why, like right now, you can debate all day long, but you can't convince me that God doesn't still speak because I've heard him. You can't convince me that God doesn't do miracles still because I've seen them. I've seen my buddy lives in Texas. I was standing next to him in a worship service, completely deaf, and just his ears opened up like that, and he began to hear. A miracle of God. I have seen and prayed for somebody with a gelatinous mass on their eye where they, from an accident, and God just restored them right there. So you can have your fun theological debates all day long, but as for me in this house, God still speaks. God still does miracles. God's real. Why? How can I say that? Because I've experienced it. And the experience is the whole point of this value. But check out the other side, okay? So if experience is the tipping point, that's, there's got to be another side, right? Experience does away with debates and all that, but fill in the blank. Where experience is lacking, doubt is flourishing. Where you don't experience something. Okay, so see, I doubt greatly that the Loch Ness Monster exists. How can I say that? Because I've been to Scotland, I have stood on the banks of the loch, and I saw no... No, no monster. Nothing went, right? Nothing. Wasn't there? I don't believe in aliens. I know. Those of you who listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, you're all like, but wait. Okay. I don't believe in aliens. How can I say that? Why would I say that? I say that because, honestly, I've never seen an alien or experienced an alien or been abducted by an alien. If you have, you might be checking the, need to check the medication you're on. But that's a different story. I have never experienced that. And so... Experience is the tipping point. If you don't experience it, you have doubt. But watch this. The experiencing, experiential of experiencing him, that's the, that's the goal. But the safe place is the environment. So you've got to have the right environment to experience the right thing. So they, just, they go hand in hand. And this is a safe place. What, what makes a safe place? A safe place is like you can come here just like you are. 
You can come here no matter what you have done. Last year, last month, last week, on the way here and in the parking lot of the church. You can still come here. You are welcome. Just, what's the dress code? Hey, it's a safe place. Cover your privates and come on. We've been saying that for years. That is our dress code, all right? If you want to come and sit in the back row, hello, back row people. I never call you out because that is the place where you can genuinely hide and be incognito if you want to. You can come and hide for as long as you want to. You can come and belong before you ever believe. This is a safe place place where you, it is set up where in this safe place you can experience him. There's other things that we do to make it a safe place. Like some of you might not even notice this. I, most people do though. We play secular music before and after service. Well, why? I don't know about that. We do that for the simple fact, we've been doing it since the very, very beginning. It's nothing like people, nothing like somebody coming to church for the very first time and being like, is that ZZ Top playing? Oh my God, right? It's just, it's awesome. I love, why do we do it? Because the people who are far from the Lord was probably listening to that music all day long, every single day. And if we can do anything that just makes this a little more comfortable and a little more safe for people to experience him, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And if you're a church person, you're here, you're like, oh, but Pastor Crane, you play that music and it offends me. I don't like it. It's not a safe place for me. Okay, sweetheart, if you have Jesus in your heart, I'm not making a safe place for you. How about you help me make a safe place for them? How about we recognize that it needs to go the other way? It ain't all about you. Once you meet Jesus, come on, help us find more people to bring into a safe place to experience what God has for us. What about that? But we get so offended about our own little things, and it's like, there are hurting people in our world who need to experience God. And the only way they're going to do it is if they're in a safe place, and this is a safe place. You know what else we do? You will never see. This blows my mind. Um, I've got to be careful or I'll start calling out other churches. Okay, so we, we, why is the band always in the lobby and they're not in a green room? Why am I not hiding in a green room before church? It blows my mind that people are blown away that I'm in the lobby shaking hands. You know why? Because we don't, we recognize that me, Katie, the band, we're not like superheroes that we just hide in the back and all of a sudden come out, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> we're people with issues and problems. I am not on a pedestal. If you put me on a pedestal, shame on you, I will fall off and get hurt. We don't hide from the people. We're part of the people. It's part of the safe place. It blows my mind when people are like, I love it, though, because it's funny. Like, they'll shake my hand. This is your first time here. You'll shake my hand outside, and then I get up to speak, and you just see their look on their face like, oh, my God, he's the pastor. One guy said, hey, I was just peeing with you at the urinal before church. <laughs> I kid you not. I kid you not. I used the same bathroom as he did, right? Same as y'all do. And I was like, yeah. Kind of do that regular. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, what do you say to that? Yeah, I use the same bathroom as you. But it's amazing how we try to separate this stuff. But it shouldn't be separated because we're in this together, and this is a safe place. It's a safe place. Now, we create a safe place, and if you're not doing that already, then I always ask that you help us create a safe place. But whether you love Jesus or don't know about Jesus, I think we all have to bring something to the table to be able to experience God, okay? You, like, doesn't matter where you are with the Lord because there's some Christians 
that I'm, what I'm getting ready to say, you're still operating in this one side. If we bring the wrong thing and approach God the wrong way, we, you will not experience God. You need to fill in the blank. Here's the deal. We need to approach God with faith, not fear. Faith, not fear. When Patty and I lived in Florida, we lived in Naples, Florida for eight years or something like that. And uh, when we were there, Sierra, one of my children, she was, she was young, very, very small, and she prayed every night. She started praying for a dog, not just a dog, which I'm all about dogs. She started praying about a specific kind of dog, which I thought was really cute. And then I looked up the price tag on this cute little dog. Why is it the smaller the dog, the higher the price tag? Have you noticed this? She started praying specifically for a miniature Yorkie. Right? Some of you have seen this price tag. So I look it up and I'm like, baby, you can pray all day long, but it's, it's going to have to be Jesus. It ain't going to be Daddy Craig. You know what I'm saying? And sure enough, this is crazy. Like three months later, she prayed that every night before she went to bed. Lord Jesus, I just you give me a little miniature Yorkie. It's going to be so cute. Okay. Three months later, a family in the church, it was a mom and a couple kids, and the mom, single mom, she was blind. She still is blind. She's blind and completely blind. And she bought a dog for her oldest daughter. Her name was Linda, okay? And so Linda, they all go to the church and everything. Well, Linda calls me one day, and she says, hey, I'm leaving for college, and I can't leave the dog with my mom because my mom is blind. You know, it, it won't work out. I feel like I'm supposed to give the dog to you guys. And I'm like... How much? <laughs> and she says, well, nothing. They brought the like, it was papers and everything, AKC approved, all that, with the receipt. Do you know how much that dog cost? That dog cost that person $2,500. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. $2,500 for a miniature Yorkie. People done lost their mind. But anyway, it was free. Thank you, Jesus. Right? And so we get this dog, and this dog's pretty cool, but it's weird. So... Like, this dog is real super skittish. Like you, like, you would walk near it, and it would, it would back up. To get it to go outside, you, had to, you couldn't stand at the door. You had to open the door and step about six feet away before it would go out. So I called Linda, and I'm like, Linda, I appreciate the gift, but you, you gave me a broke dog. Like, he don't work. And she said, what's he doing? And you know, when she says it that way, she already knows right? She said, what's he doing? I said, he's super skittish. He won't get near us. You got to stand way away from the door for him to go out. She went, oh, well, see, my mom bought the dog, but then, and that was great. Um, but then she's blind. So she would step on the dog a lot. She would close doors on the dog a lot. And so it just trained him over the years to be a little skittish of feet and doors. I'm like, thank you very much. You know, but here's the funny thing. I think a lot of people try to come to churches all over the place, and they get stepped on. They get doors closed in their face. And the people in the church don't see the value of the person trying to get in the church. God sees the value. God paid the price. But the church that's supposed to represent the loving, living God doesn't see the value in the broken, doesn't see the value in the hurt, doesn't see the value in the confusion and the, the lack of understanding. They, they don't see the value in that, and so people get stepped on. They get doors closed in their face. I've heard stories of people getting literally getting church doors closed in their face because they were the wrong color. Can I tell you how mad that makes me? 
You know, I've told this story several, several times, but several years ago we were in this building and a couple came up to the door. He was black, she was white. And they were holding hands and I was out there shaking hands because that's what I do, right? And I opened the door for them. I said, hey man, y'all come on in. And they stopped about six feet away from me like that stupid little dog, you know, it's just all skittish. <laughs> stopped way back there and I said, I'm holding the door, y'all. It's open. I said, come on in. They said, and he said this, he said, can we come in? And I said, well, of course you can. I'm, I'm slow, y'all. Okay, I, I'm slow. I was like, well, of course you can. He said, no, no. Three weeks ago, we went to her church. And they told us in the parking lot that she could come in, but I couldn't. Last week, we went to my church. And they stopped us at the door and said, I'm welcome. She's not. He said, so I'm going to ask you one more time. Can we come in? And I said, absolutely. In fact, let me hold the door for you. Let me get a cup of coffee for you. And let me apologize for the way the church has treated you because you are full of value. Full of value. My goodness, my goodness. So I have another daughter that you... You, I don't talk about a lot. Her name is Amanda. And I don't talk about her a lot because she always takes an extra explanation. Because I'm 51 and she is 43. Okay? So all of you right now, you're like, <laughs> elementary school was a little different for you, Craig, right? <laughs> when Patty and I were youth pastors in Alabama, Amanda was in the youth group. And um, she, she, was, she was just abused. I mean, bottom line, her family, it was just a... I won't even go into the details. It was just ugly, okay? Can we just end it with, it was just ugly. And so we brought her in and ad adopted her. And I remember sitting at the dinner table one time and Patty was on my left here and Amanda was on my right and we're just eating dinner and I reached for some vegetables on the table or some kind of food, I forget what it was. I just reached like that and she flinched, put her hands up. And I, I just stopped, I was like, what's wrong? She said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm so used to when a hand goes up that I'm going to get it. And I said, these hands contain nothing but love. And she said, I know, but the fear runs deep. And I'm like, okay, we'll love you through that. And we did. But I think sometimes people go to approach God, and if, listen, if you approach him out of fear, you will never experience God, because when God raises his hand to bless you, you will think it's to strike you. I mean, there's people in here right now, I can guarantee it, in here, online, you're in here right now, and you still approach God through fear. You still approach God through fear. Let me tell you something. Fill in the blank. Write this down. Don't ever forget this. God in South Point loves you just like you are. And we love you too much to let you stay the same. Can anybody come? Yes, because we love you. And we are going to love you so much that we want you to get better. We want you to grow in the Lord. We love you right where you are. And we love you too much to let you stay the same. That's better preaching than you think. Maybe it just needs to sink in a little bit. Maybe you just need to get it a little bit. Um, I, got this, I got this email last week, and it says this. This is just a part of it. It's actually a very long email. Um, this is just a couple of paragraphs. I attended South Point Church for a while in my teens, mostly going as an adult. 
The sanctuary of the renovated movie theater fostered the closest experiences I ever had of feeling comfortable in church. You could also say safe, couldn't you? Being in a renovated space by nature was a breath of fresh air because you could feel the care that had gone into it. It wasn't a stuffy building. It felt alive. If a movie theater can be a church, the external to internal reflection goes, then surely I can be, a lo- I can be a loved as an individual by the God of this church. After all, I need renovation too. That's an energy that a lot of churches cannot or refuse to tap into, and I really appreciate it. Most of my discomfort was driven by gender dysphoria in my family. I'm transgender. You would have known me as a male back then. See, I cried first service too, and it makes me so angry at myself. I hate crying. Um, I'm transgender. You would have known me as a male back then. My family was emotionally abusive, and as a child, I was physically abused too. I suffered from chronic anxiety and just believed myself to be sinful too sinful to be allowed feelings like peace or joy. I didn't know how to feel peaceful while alone. I didn't believe it was spiritually healthy for me to do so because I could not be open about who I was or honest with my emotions. During one of those days, you mentioned a moment from your own life to help give insight into whatever the sermon was on that day. You had disciplined your son, left him to sit with his feelings for a while, and come back and said you loved him told him that you still love him and everything is okay and implied that it was okay for him to love himself. I sincerely I sincerely think it speaks to the state of the church in a broader sense to say that this was my first glimmer into the idea that it's okay to love oneself and that each of us deserves self-love. I'm so glad that God trusts us with the hurting I'm so glad that God trusts us with his most prized possession, and that's that one little lamb that got away. Remember Jesus said, you know, I'm going to leave the 99, but I'm going after the one. And I think the church for a long time has said, you go after the one, that's fine. We'll sit here and hang out. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm going to go after the hurt. I'm going to go after the broken. And I'm so glad that Jesus Christ trusts us at South Point with the hurting and the broken, and that this is a place where they can be loved and realize that they, that they are loved. They are loved. You can't approach God through fear. It doesn't work. Romans 8.15 says this, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as one of his own children. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And see, and then we get, we get to that point, and people say this all the time. Some of you in here have said this. We say, well, if I come to church, the, the roof will fall in on me. Or if I step on the church parking lot, I will be consumed with flames, spontaneous combustion. And we laugh, we giggle, but what does that reveal? That reveals that you are still approaching God through a spirit of fear. You're afraid of punishment. You're afraid of hell. Well, isn't that true? No, it's not. How do I know that? Because God gave his only son to redeem us out of that. We don't have to worry about punishment or hell. Why? Because he loves us so much. You don't have to earn it. It's a beautiful thing called grace. It doesn't matter how far you have gone. It doesn't matter what you think, believe, or anything. It matters if you believe in Jesus Christ, the son of God. And that grace opens up a whole new world to you. And see, and watch this. This is the danger right here. This is the danger for a lot of you in this room right now. See, because you can still have the idea of being afraid of God, 
yet still enjoy the safe place, but you'll never experience God. You're afraid that God wants to strike you every time you make a mistake. And so there's a fear. So again, every time God raises his hand to bless you, you think he's raising it to strike you. And if you do that, you can live afraid in the safe place all day long. You're still not going to experience God. And you might be sitting here saying, well, I haven't experienced God. I believed in Jesus for a long time. That's great. Have you experienced God? If you are afraid of him, you will not experience him. Because you're the one continually pushing him away. Check out this verse, Hebrews 11:6. And without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in what? That was weak. Come on, people. I've been shouting, screaming. I even cried in front of you. Come on. We approach God with what we approach God? Faith. Faith. Faith, we approach God in faith, knowing that he is real and that he, oh, sugi, sugi, and that he punishes us. No, that ain't what it says. We come in faith and he meets us with rewards. We come in faith and he meets us with blessings. We come with our sin, but with faith, and he comes at us with goodnesses, blessings, mercy, love, grace, all of these beautiful things. We can bring all of our junk and he gives us all of his blessings. Hey, it ain't nothing better than that. All right, you ready for the other value? I've yelled about this one long enough, huh? Okay. Um, and these are my two favorite values, by the way. Of all nine that we have, these are my two favorite. You can probably tell. Um, here, here it is. God is big, so we dream big. Oh, I love this. We will never insult God with small thinking and safe living. Come on, baby. God, plant, God planted this vision for this church, this dream for this church, in my heart in 2005. We planted in 2007. And since that dream, let me tell you something, it has been a roller coaster ride. There have been great high heights. Woo! Mmm! Ha! And then there's been the low, low, oh, is me, right? Just a pile of ashes. Bring my sorry ash to the Lord every day. Just, Lord, lift me up. <laughs> up and down, up and down. We've had all that stuff. But here's something I've learned about dreams and God. Fill in the blank, because this is for you. Dreams are not just for pastors. Dreams are not just for pastors. If you follow Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of the Lord, and you, f you work and operate in the kingdom of God, then there is a God dream inside of you, and then it is your job to excavate that dream, find it, grow it, and work on it. Move, all you got to do is move towards your dream. What is it? Move towards it. You say, well, I'm waiting on God. Where do you see that in the Bible? The only, the only place you see that is in Acts, right, where Jesus, he's resurrected, and he says, hey, go wait for me, and, and go tarry there, and I'll come. And the Lord sends the Holy Spirit. Remember this? Acts chapter 2, he sends the Holy Spirit. From that scripture, you never again see God say, wait, because now you have the Spirit of God in you, and it should be pulling you whatever direction he wants you to go, and you should go. Well, I'm waiting on the Lord to fulfill. Stop waiting. God will never put it in your hand. He will always put it in your reach. Can I say that again? Because some people are just waiting on the Lord. Lord, as soon as you do that, stop waiting. You have a God dream inside of you, and the kingdom of God needs you to fulfill that dream and walk in that dream because that dream is going to drive other people to find a safe place so that they can experience this thing called grace. Man, am I talking to anybody today? I'm fired up. Can you tell? Fired up. Because we got a whole lot of people not dreaming anymore, and you got to dream. 
Don't wait on him. He ain't going to put it in your hand. He'll put it in your reach. What does that mean? That means you got to work a little bit. All you need to do really is start working in the direction of your dream. So God gave me a dream to plant a church in Memphis. Hey, did y'all know we're not in Memphis? You ever realize that? I mean, we're real close. We're as close as you can get. But we're not in Memphis. But God gave me the dream to plant a church in Memphis. So we started moving. Just start, just start moving. Start doing something. And so we headed to Memphis. We got here and we were like, Olive Branch. Let's plant a church in Olive Branch. So we went to Olive Branch. Got to Olive Branch. Actually had our signs taken up by the mayor. That's another story. I won't go into that. The mayor actually called me on Thanksgiving Day to kind of kick me out of his town. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> that's a political story I won't tell, but I guess I already did. Hello, mayor. Anyway, so... Um, then we ended up in South Haven. Listen, we didn't start out with a dream in South Haven, but the closer you get to the dream, the clearer it gets. But if you never start moving, it will never focus. Does that make sense? Fill in the blank. God dreams are always formed in the crucible of disappointment. God dreams are always formed in the crucible of disappointment. And I'm going to tell you right now, I know I'm out of time, but there's no service after this, so I'm gonna keep preaching. I've never done this before. I'm gonna keep preaching. If you need to go, if you need to go, then you can go. Seriously, I love you, no, no offense, and I know some of you right now are thinking, maybe I should go. And, and you really can, that's totally cool. Um, but I just wanna share what's on my heart. God dreams are always formed in the crucible of disappointment. In 2009, our, the South Point was doing horrible. It was not going well. It was just not going well. And I, had, I was starting to enter into my depression, which I've talked about that before. I'm over it, but I mean, this was just a process. This is the very beginning of it. Church was just struggling. There wasn't enough money coming in to literally buy toilet paper. I mean, there was, just, there was just nothing. It was horrible. And I knew that I needed to get away, so I had a family member. They owned a travel trailer on a lake in Alabama, so I was just going to take the weekend off and go just pray and find God. So I left Pastor O.C. He's he was playing drums today. Um, I said, hey, you preach, you know, run church, and I'll be back. He said, okay. So Sunday afternoon, I'm sitting by a little campfire there all by myself in, my, in all my fields. Anybody ever been in their fields? Isn't it funny you get more in your fields when you're alone, right? Um, anyway, I'm in my fields, and Pastor O.C. calls me to give me an update on church. I'm like, how'd it go? And he's like, hey, Pastor, yeah, we unloaded the trailer, set up church, got it all loaded out in time. It, it was good. I said, well... How, how many people were there? He said, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I said, that's probably not the truth. Um, how many people were there? He said, well, I don't know how many were in kids. I don't know how many volunteers we had. I did. OC, shoot straight, bro. How many people were there? He said, well, you're not going to like it, but in the auditorium there was maybe 30 people. Can I tell you something? I moved a family. I mean, I put my life on credit cards at that point, just trying to survive. 30 people, I was crushed because I felt like God had promised me something different. Has God ever promised you something in a dream, given you an idea, and then it doesn't happen? To make matters even worse, a few minutes later, about an hour later, Pastor Naeem, who was on the video today, Pastor Naeem called me. He said, how you doing? And I said, man, I'm not doing well. And I told him the whole thing, and he said, oh. I have an answer. This is great. I'm looking for a new executive pastor. How about you just close the church down and come over here and go on staff with me? We'll have a blast. Because Naeem's one of my buddies. We have fun together. He said, we'll have so much fun. And I said, 
I don't know, let me pray about it. Because see, don't just give up on a dream because you don't see it going the way you think it should go. Don't give up on a dream. And while I was there, I was there for three days, and I was going to study one chapter of Habakkuk every single day. So this was Sunday, so I was on Habakkuk chapter 2. I know, this is such a great verse, right? Habakkuk chapter 2. You can fill in the blank there if you want, because I looked down and realized I just skipped it. It's in the crucible of disappointments that the dross of doubts is revealed. You know, you just, the more you're there in disappointments, the more doubts you have. And then I read this verse in Habakkuk. I felt like this was just straight from the Lord to me, and so here it is straight from the Lord to you. Things I plan, this is God saying, things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely. The time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. Do not get disappointed. Don't let doubts come in. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. I am so glad I didn't give up. I am so glad that the dream that God gave me included you and your family. I'm so glad that it included this city and this county. I'm so thankful that it included all of that and I'm still dreaming. I'm still dreaming. Hey, I still have a dream for a 40,000 square foot community center that's gonna make a difference in this area. Well, pastor, pastor, are you frustrated that it's taking so long? Yeah, yeah. Are you disappointed that it's going the direction it's going? Yes. Just to be completely honest, I'm disappointed in, the, in the, the lack of happenings over there. But can I tell you something I don't have? I don't have doubts that God said it. I don't have doubts that God sent us here to make a difference in our city, to make a difference in our country. I don't have the doubts. Do I have disappointments? Yes, but I've learned over time, don't allow your disappointments to aggravate and lift up your doubts. Kill the doubts, deal with the, dis the disappointment, and trust God. Trust God. I'm still dreaming. I'm still dreaming. I'm still dreaming of a church where people of all different colors and ethnicities can come together and worship Jesus Christ under one roof. I'm still dreaming of a church where it doesn't matter what you look like, dress like, smell like, act like, or vote like. You are still loved and accepted in this house. I'm still dreaming. I'm dreaming of a church, a powerful church that goes forward in the formidable name of Jesus Christ, serving and loving the people in our community, tearing down strongholds of poverty, depression, disappointment, anxiety, and is speaking, doing the exact opposite, speaking life, light, and wholeness into the cold, dark, dank areas of our county. I'm still believing. I'm still believing. I'm still dreaming, and I'm still believing of a church that is a beacon of hope to a hopeless generation. A church that is not just a geographical footprint on a map, but a church that is literally the redemptive footprint of King Jesus. I'm still dreaming. Come on, dream with me. Don't stop dreaming, dream with me. Dream that there's actually a church right here that can make a difference in a city. I still believe, man, you might call me crazy. I've had people look me in the face and say, Craig, that's impossible. Great, because God does the impossible. I believe that this is the church that God has ordained to make a difference in this city. To make, are we gonna, it's just gonna be different. I believe that we can pray and do the right things to make crime rate just go down right here. We can make poverty go down and go away. I believe, you know, will we get everybody saved in South Haven? No, because there's still free moral will. But how about this? How about we just make it, if you live in South Haven, it's going to be really hard to go to hell. How about that? 
I'm still dreaming. I might be getting old, but I'm still dreaming. Will you keep dreaming with me? Will you, will you keep leaning in, not just in a church dream, but in your personal dream, in your personal life? Come on, let's dream. Last verse, and this is it. This is the whole thing right here. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Come on, man, we serve an incredible God. Let's not back down. Let's move forward. Let's walk out our dreams. Will you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Let me put a caboose on this thing. Lord, I love you. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that you filled us full of dreams and your presence and your power. I thank you for a church that genuinely loves the unlovable, that genuinely gives hope to the hopeless. Father, I thank you so much for a church that we've just kind of put judgmentalism and gossip on the sidelines and we're just following after you. We're going to take every unsteady step as long as we're leaning on your love and your grace. How can we ever go wrong? So, Father, I just ask that you empower us to not only change this city, but to change our families, our friends. Let us just begin walking at a whole new level of your glory and your grace right here at South Point Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. Only a couple people left, so woohoo, cool. Um, stand with me, if you will. And if there's anything going on, if you're struggling, if there's questions that you have, listen, there's people down front on both sides that would love to pray with you and love to connect with you. They would just love to be a part of you like that and help you along the way, this thing called life. All right, let's pray the benediction and we will jet out of here. Heavenly Father, right now, we just ask that the words of our mouth, the meditations in our heart, Lord, they'll be acceptable in your sight. You're our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, love y'all. Have a great week.